Welcome to the Cyber 24 podcast, a weekly pod dedicated to helping businesses and governmental leaders better understand the often intimidating topic of cybersecurity so you can make better decisions for your organization. I'm Marty Carpenter of 24-9. I work in strategic communication, public affairs, and government relations. Joined today by our guest expert, Dan Schuyler of NICE. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Marty, for having me. It's, it's been a while. It's great to be back on the pod. Uh, I feel like I should say welcome back. You know, it's been a while since we've had you on, but you're such a regular here that welcome back also doesn't seem to to quite be the way uh, to make it work. So, uh, new gig with Nice. Tell us how it's going before we jump into things. It's going great. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a great company. Um, doing doing really well. I appreciate you asking. Well, we're glad to have you back here with us. Uh, no matter which company is currently sponsoring your services, but we're glad to have you as part of the show. Hey, our story and uh, topic this week, mixed messages and conflicting incentives. Uh, I saw this report recently and thought it would be a great one to discuss on the show. Uh, you know, when your business is hit by hackers demanding ransom to unlock your systems, you quickly realize you are in a desperate position. But in addition to your immediate problem, you have a decision to make. Do you pay the ransom or do you get back online uh, quickly? Do you pay the ransom and get back on qu- online quickly or do you stand on principle and not pay up? Uh, lots of factors come into play uh, for every business that finds itself in this situation, but a new one has emerged recently. And, and I thought this was really interesting because it's not an aspect that I had ever considered, Dan, the potential tax advantages of paying a ransom. So today we'll look at why uh, mixed incentives are frustrating law enforcement and cybercrime victims, and uh, let's get right into it. So the story came from the Associated Press. I saw this uh, late last month. Uh, it says uh, in their report, it says as ransomware attacks surge, the FBI is doubling down on its guidance to affected businesses. Don't pay the cybercriminals. But the U.S. government also also offers a little notice incentive for those who do in fact pay, and that ran- that is that ransoms may be tax deductible. Now, officially, the IRS according to the story, says that there's no formal guidance on whether or not ransomware payments are deductible. But uh, the Associated Press, as they do, they talk to a lot of tax experts, and they said that usually uh, under established sort of guidelines that, in fact, it may be tax deductible. So uh, already, Dan, businesses are facing this really, really tricky situation. Uh, You know, this initial decision of, geez, do I pay and get back online, or do I follow the guidance of law enforcement and not uh, sort of perpetuate the problem that put me here in the first place by paying uh, and incentivizing hackers to just go out and get other businesses. And uh, so it's sort of like that co- the tragedy of the commons, right? Is it, it, it is this good for me? Is that what, how I need to act or do I need to act in the uh, good of, of us all? Uh, so I guess, does it seem like a fair concession uh, by government for businesses hit with ransomware to give them a tax deduction? Or do you think it just feeds into the problem? Well, clearly, it's a it's a case by case basis. Um, but a ransomware attack is a loss, no matter how you you slice it. A loss could be, you know, a fire in your building, could be an earthquake, uh, what have you, and that's an expense that you incur, and it becomes a t- tax deduction. Clearly, a million dollar ransomware attack is not going to become a million dollar tax credit. But it is a loss. It is an expense that you had to incur doing business. Um, now that it is potentially tax deductible, uh, it's definitely part of the equation. But it shouldn't be the only thing that businesses are looking at when they have to decide if they should pay the ransom or not. I think what businesses should be focusing on, and we've said this time and time again, 
is being proactive. So you're not in that position to have to pay the ransomware, the ransom, te- the ransom for uh, getting your data back. And there's a lot more to consider than just, you know, this is now tax deductible. A ransomware attack has a greater impact on your business than just the uh, financial loss of the, the data or the financial loss of being out of business. There's damage to your brand. There's damage to your reputation. Uh, there could be legal ramifications, compliance uh, ramifications. Um, clearly, there's a lot of uh, different costs involved that a ransomware attack uh, presents to a, a, a business that's thinking about, you know, do I pay the ransom to get my data back or not? So again, it's a case-by-case basis. Uh, I don't think it being a tax deduction should be an incentive to pay the ransomware. Uh, clearly, I think you should be, as a company, proactive looking to prevent a ransomware attack. Yeah. You know, Ronald Reagan uh, famously uh, pointed out in the 1980s that the scariest words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. And, you know, when a company gets hit with ransomware in particular, uh, they reach out, you know, the gov- so they have a couple of governmental touch points. One is usually with the FBI to help, uh, you know, see if they can track down who who the culprit is. Uh, and then the other is a, sort of a never-ending wave of regulators who come in and see where, you know, where were you lax before, and there may be fines and things like that involved. So if there's a third touch point and it's uh, the tax man, and at least that's, you know, if you're going uh, positive on one and negative on two, uh, those, at least there's some silver lining, I suppose, for businesses. Yeah, clearly, if it's a, if it's a tax deduction, deduction that definitely helps. Uh, it definitely helps the pain of paying the ransom to get your data back. Uh, but again, I think if you ask any company who's been hit by a, a ransomware <laughs> sure. attack, um, would they rather have avoided the ransomware attack, spent that money being proactive uh, versus dealing with a ransomware attack? I think the former is always the case. Let's be proactive. Let's spend money on the defenses to prevent the ransomware attack in the first place. I, I don't think any company who's gone through a ransomware attack ever wants to experience that again. Yeah. I'm not a tax expert myself, but from the uh, story from the Associated Press, it says that uh, uh, companies have long been able to deduct losses from uh, traditional crimes like robbery, embezzlement, uh, and experts say ransomware payments are usually valid too, though the general guideline is uh, that expenses, business expenses should be considered ordinary and necessary. I would hope that this falls more on the necessary side and not the ordinary, because to me, that would seem like it's a regular occurrence uh, for a business. You know, the FBI also, if you look at this from the FBI's perspective, um, you know, they obviously say, hey, the, in fact, there's a quote in the story, uh, the cheaper we make it to pay that ransom, the more incentives we're we're creating for companies to pay. The more incentives we're creating for companies to pay, the more incentive we're creating for criminals uh, to continue. And I think that's all well and good. And, you know, I think everyone wants to do their part to sort of stop the problem up to a point. But for the most part, you know, as a business leader, your top priority is I got people whose jobs are dependent, their livelihoods are dependent on this business having a stream of revenue. And I've got to get things back up and running, uh, you know, first and foremost to, you know, uh, safeguard my employees, my shareholders, my investors, whatever the case may be. Um, So, you know, I can totally see this from the FBI's perspective. And, and maybe this being like, oh, that's one more incentive you're giving people to do the thing we don't want them to do. Um, but I think even, even law enforcement would have to uh, concede that uh, the 
the incentive for the business really is to get back up and running as soon as possible. Am I, do you think I'm I'm on the right track there? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the the business business continuity is the number one uh, thought in any company's mind when they've been hit by any type of attack. You know, what can we do to quickly overcome this attack? To get our feet back on the ground, to to be able to uh, provide the products and services to our customers that they're accustomed to because they don't want any long-term damage to their brand reputation and their profitability. So that they are incentivized to do whatever they can to get back, to get their business up and running again. Um, but let's not be, you know, let's always think about the proactive approach versus the reactive approach. And we've talked about this time and time again, there are a lot of things a company can do to be proactive, to avoid a ransomware attack uh, altogether. Um, you don't want to be in that position of, A, how do we recover? Because any recovery is a painful process. And B, do we pay the ransom? Those are two things that you don't ever want to have to face or deal with. And uh, so I would say to any company out there, there are a lot of lessons learned from other companies who have been hit by ransomware attacks. Use those to your advantage take a proactive approach, build a security posture that will protect your organization from a ransomware attack. So you never have to be in the position of, should I pay the ransom? Yeah. In this case, the best defense is in fact a good defense. Uh, the Associated Press story, by the way, just as we wrap this up, went on to point out that there are limits to the deduction uh, that uh, if you're covered by cyber insurance, you probably can't uh, go the route of considering it a a deduction or a business write-off in some way. Uh, when it comes to the actual exemption and there are the potential loophole in the, in the tax code, uh, an IRS spokesperson said the IRS is aware of this and looking into it as I uh, do not doubt at all. All right, time to take a break. The first reminder, Cyber24 is presented each week by our friends at Falcom. Falcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and services provider with a drive for getting IT right from ironclad security to computing and beyond. Falcom's 35 plus years means they have the experience uh, and the expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. Check them out at blcm.com. Back with more on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Falcom right after this. If you're looking for protection from uncontrolled access, Salto can deliver the perfect solution, tailored to your exact requirements to provide you with all the security, convenience, and control you need. With Salto, you install access control in a wire-free environment, so there's no need to hardwire the building. Because Salto works on a virtual network, you can enroll or replace a lost key within seconds, making reprogramming and rekeying a problem of the past. See how Salto can make your access control and building security simpler and safer at vlcmtech.com salto. That's vlcmtech.com s-a-l-t-o. You've all seen the headlines. Every 39 seconds, there's a new attempted cyber attack in the U.S. As the threat landscape becomes more complex, the need for security operations is greater than ever before. It's time to put experts in your corner. For something as important as your organization's security, having a named engineer and analyst paired with you is critical. Arctic Wolf is a leader in security operations, utilizing a cloud-native security analytics platform to deliver security operations as a concierge service. Arctic Wolf's Security Operations Center as a service is always on guard with security experts monitoring your environment 24-7. 
don't become the next headline. Learn more about Arctic Wolf's redefined cybersecurity approach at vlcmtech.com slash arctic wolf. That's vlcmtech.com slash A-R-C-T-I-C dash W-O-L-F. All right, welcome back to the Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valcom. We continue our discussion with Dan Schuyler from NICE. Uh, Dan, a couple of uh, big numbers uh, as I look through some cybersecurity news this week. The Wall Street Journal pointed this number out, 75,349. And they say that's the number of customers affected by a ransomware incident in March at CNA Financial Group. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reports the insurer is said to have paid $40 million to the attackers. Uh, CNA has, of course, declined to discuss any ransom payment, as is uh, sort of the norm. But that's a uh, a fairly large number of customers affected, though. I guess the more you think about it, you know, maybe there's companies, obviously, that could have more people impacted than 75,000 plus. Uh, the number that jumps out to me there is more $40 million in ransom payment. Uh, you know, this this comes on the heels of a couple of other really big ones uh, where we've seen big dollar amounts. And I, I pointed this out a couple of weeks ago on a pod with another uh, guest expert that, uh, you know, we seem to kind of always be at this couple million dollar range. And then we jump to like, you know, four and a half million dollars, I think with the colonial pipeline and $11 million with the JBS meets. And now all of a sudden we're hearing like $40 million. Does this seem like cyber criminals are testing the limits of the marketplace to see exactly uh, what the market will bear to uh, to deal with them? Absolutely. I mean, if you can charge, you know, $100,000 for a ransom, why not go for a million? If you can do a million, why not 10? You know, up the ante, see what the market will bear. Clearly, uh, some of these attacks are targeting very uh, uh, financially sound companies. And these hackers know that they have the wherewithal and the funds to pay the ransom. And so, you know, they're not going to ask a mom and pop flower shop for $40 million to pay a <laughs> ransom, uh, but clearly a, a financial organization like CNA um, it probably has the funding to pay that, that uh, hefty price. Yeah. Uh, the Associated Press uh, has a number that they've been going with that the average payment um, for a, a ransomware incident has been about $310,000, which is, uh, uh, you know, more than doubling. It's up 170% from 2019 is uh, the, the figure that they've gone with. So certainly we're seeing an increase here. I, I think it's interesting how cyber insurance must factor into this because, you know, the total number of active cyber insurance policies uh, just year over from like, well, not year over technically, but from 2016 to 2019. So in a nice three-year period. And really, I would say at the sort of the beginning of the ransomware outbreak that we've seen over the past few years, um, you know, the number of total insurance policies went from 2.2 million to 3.6 million. You know, it's basically a 50% increase or a little over a 50% increase, um, which is is pretty remarkable. Um, you know, it, they're saying that insurance premiums paid went from like 2.1 billion to 3.1 billion. So it's, it's another little element to factor into the overall business math and calculus of this, right? Is, um, the hackers are starting to demand more money, but right now insurance companies have found sort of the level they're comfortable with on here's what we'll charge you as a, as a premium and deductible and so on. And here's how much we'll cover. Um, but uh, there's a balance here. And if the demands go up, 
not only you know you're going to potentially see more attacks and and continue on the trend there, but you'll also see higher premiums for businesses to pay, or maybe some insurance companies just deciding to get out of the game altogether. So I I just think it's really interesting to see that sort of that three way pull. What do you think? Well, it's just like any particular component in the insurance industry. If there's a lot of claims, everybody's going to pay for those claims with higher premiums. Clearly, if you're one of those claims, your premiums are going to go up. But another topic to add with regards to these uh, cyber cyber insurance uh, policies, the insurance companies are getting a lot more prescriptive. In the past, it was, okay, you're paying for a million-dollar policy, you get hit by an attack, we'll pay up to a million dollars. Now it's, you know, you've got a million-dollar policy, but hey, if you don't have security controls in place, you don't have security policies in place, if you're not doing security awareness training, et cetera, et cetera, we're going to consider you negligent, and we're not going to pay uh, your claim. And so I think businesses need to be cognizant that they can't just transfer their risk to the insurance company without making sure that they are protected. I mean, we, we know this, that technology and security controls are not perfect, but you need to have something in place to protect yourself. And the, and the insurance companies are recognizing this now. They're getting cyber smart, if you will. And they're saying to companies, if you aren't doing the bare minimum or you're not doing the set of requirements from a cybersecurity perspective that we require, we're not going to pay a claim. And that makes sense. Uh, you know, they want to hold the companies accountable because if you're not doing anything to protect yourself, um, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't have a claim paid. And so I think that's something that companies need to realize is when you are buying the cyber insurance, you need to have, a, you need to have specific security controls, policies and procedures in place. If you ever have a claim, it could get, it could get denied if you don't have those in place. Yeah, it's all about risk assessment from everybody's side, particularly from an insurance company. And they're going to look at that and say, uh, if we're going to protect you at this level, you're going to have to uh, ensure that you are providing this minimal level or at least hitting this bar uh, as far as uh, minimizing the risk on on your end. So uh, great insight as always. Uh, Dan, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, as we wrap up for this episode, I want to thank our sponsors at Valcom. At Valcom, you get much more than a dedicated IT retailer. They become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and more productive. Check them out at vlcm.com. That's vlcm.com. Special thanks to all our supporting partners, the Utah Department of Technology Services, the Kemp C. Gardner Policy Institute, Secuvant, the Utah Attorney General's Office, and the Utah Department of Public Safety. You can follow us on Twitter at Cyber24 underscore, or you can follow us on Facebook. Hit us up in either place and let us know what you think. Or if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, you can also rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, everyone, and stay safe online.